Hello everyone, welcome to From Nord to Nothing, Mystery Philosophy Theater 9000. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, doctoral student in psychology, and with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. Today will be the first episode in a new, hopefully reoccurring series Norm and I are starting, where we look at a brief clip from a film and dissect it philosophically. The video will be made available on my YouTube channel, which I'll link in the show notes, and the audio will be available through the normal podcast feed. We're going to start with a scene from Star Wars A New Hope, where Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker are talking in Obi-Wan's hut on Tatooine. For such a short, quiet scene in an otherwise bombastic movie, I was surprised to find several edited versions of the scene on YouTube with over 10 million views. Many of these videos spliced in footage from other films in the series that fleshed out the importance of what was happening in the conversation, which is something we'll touch on, as well as it relates to real-world philosophy. Without further ado, let's jump in. Okay, so we'll kind of set the scene before we start, and what's happened up to this point is Luke's uncle bought a couple droids to help out on the moisture farm, um, R2-D2 and C-3PO, and Luke promptly loses R2-D2. And so he's afraid his uncle's going to be mad, so he takes 3PO and they go out to find R2. And they get ambushed by Tuscan, Tuscan Raiders. Um, Luke gets knocked out. 3PO falls down and loses an arm. Um, this mysterious Obi-Wan Kenobi appears um, out of nowhere, mimicking a crate dragon in order to, to scare off the Tuscan Raiders. And uh, sort of saves the day. And, um, you know, he says, hey, we should, we should get indoors before the Tuscans come back and attack us again. <laughs> so he takes the whole little group to his hut and um, they have a conversation. And so <clears throat> what's going to be a recurring theme throughout, you know, our commentary on the clip is, um, you know, that these guys have, if you think about it in terms of your regular everyday life, these guys have already been through a hard day, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, yes. imagine you work for your uncle he buys, he buys a really expensive piece of machinery to uh, work on his business. You lose that piece of machinery. You go to find it. Somebody knocks you out. And then you get saved by this mysterious figure that you've heard about but never met. Mm -hmm. You know, like, on any given week in a regular everyday person's life, that would be a huge occurrence. <laughs> you know, it's not... So with all the stuff, you know, people think of Star Wars. They think of all the things that happen in it that are, are huge and, and beyond... Um, Beyond, uh, yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think some people might lose sight of this early on in the first movie. Luke's already been through quite a bit. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we'll start the clip, and here we go. Oh, <laughs> my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. So right away what we see is, what's kind of interesting is that up until this point in the movie, they haven't mentioned Luke's father. No. And so we open up the scene in what we're assuming is the middle of a conversation. These, these guys have been here for a while, Luke's fixing 3PO. They open up and... Obi-Wan is contradicting the story that Luke has heard about his father for his whole life. Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting thing to start right off the bat. And the other thing that's interesting about that is if for people who have seen Star Wars, right, the tale 
the loop believes is probably one that was created by Obi-Wan. That's what I was just sitting here thinking. You know, you weave, you weave all this to, together and we know the, the entirety of the movie sequence. And so there's decades and decades of, of background and history and fandom and whatever uh, in this. And so that's what I'm sitting here processing watching this because honestly, I haven't watched this scene in a long time. And, or this, this first movie, the fourth movie, but first <laughs> in, in my life. And I'm roughly of Mark Hamill's age. And so I'm sitting here looking at that young face <laughs> saying, were any of us ever that young? But of course you were. And, and thinking about the, the whole thing that, yes, Obi-Wan with Yoda's, I think, as we recall, Yoda is the one who set up what the remaining Jedi's go hide, and he's sending Obi Wan to Tatooine to watch over Luke, and so yeah, he must have created that story, and then then he can sit there and disparage the very story that yeah yeah, and so you know on face value you'd think like well why would he do that, but then I think as we as we continue to dissect it we'll see um, why he would, and there's a lot of things like that that pop up in Star Wars. Um, and you know, I think that some of it in honesty is Lucas not having the future of the series fleshed out. No, I don't, I don't believe for a moment that he had all this. I know that the, the yammering talk about that back in the day was, oh, yeah. he's really got this vision. Well, perhaps in roughed out terms, mm -hmm. uh, but I no, I think there are enough disconnects and already in this that you can see, well, we gloss that over to make the bigger story, but. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely not saying that disparagingly because no, if no. you think about it, that's a huge creative risk to say, you know what, I'm going to start out with the fourth movie. You know, you didn't have people invested at this point. You're going to say, oh, we're going to start out with the, the fourth movie. You know, we're going to have all of this backstory that we're alluding to right. um, that doesn't have any context. So, yeah. um, And part of that is, part of that is, is totally justifiable narr narratively because Lucas was, as we know, uh, doing a, an homage to the 1940s and 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 50s short uh, films, uh, Buck Rogers and so on. And so chapter four just makes you feel like you're immersed. It just gives you the, even if he hadn't had it all in his mind, it's a really cool narrative technique. Yeah, and the scene is kind of a microcosm of that because you, you start in the beginning of the conversation, in the middle of the conversation, right? As you pointed out. You don't see them stumble in the door carrying in three feet or anything. No, they're, they're already there, you know, and you're just sort of viewing. And Obi-Wan's starting to talk about ideals. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right, so we'll show the next piece. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. So this part's kind of interesting because Obi-Wan's talking favorably of Anakin. Yeah. There's, so at this point, he's not, he's not referring to Vader at all, right? Right. Which is kind of interesting. If you think, again, we're trying to think of it in totality. What is he trying to accomplish in this scene? And what's he trying to do? And it would seem that from the very start, you know, based off of um, him contradicting a story he likely created. Yeah. He's he's starting out with the intention of 
turning Luke into a Jedi Knight. He realizes this is the moment. Yes, he, he does. And so even when you look on Alec Guinness being the actor that he was, you can see on the, if you, you can look at this and say, oh, what a gentle old man who's, who's remembering a friend. Well, okay, there's part of that you can also see in the face. I'm thinking about my strategy here because I'm a cunning warrior too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yes, now's my, now's my moment. Um, he was a good friend. Even that is, is really an interesting philosophical notion. The, the idea of, of, of what friends are certainly, uh, students and teachers, when the students are all grown up, uh, become friends. We, we certainly have, have that. So I'm not disparaging that at all, but, but the idea of when we know later on what's going on, it, i I never saw elements really of friendship in their constantly bantering relationship. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's really interesting because um, you know he he draws parallels to Luke and Anakin as well. You know, he talks about oh well you you know you're he was a good pilot. I hear you're a good pilot, and he talks very fondly of him. Yeah, you would think that if he was aware the truth of Vader was going to come out later he would be wary of any sort of um, connection or comparison of Luke to Anakin. Yes. You, you, it, it, it seems like he's, we know the later stories, he's making the same mistake. But this is where I think of Heraclitus. This is our river that we can never step into the same river twice. We can look at Obi-Wan as as this doddering caricature that he's created of himself to hide in the desert to be watching. Uh, but he's apparently done a, a lot to keep Luke alive. And we know there's a series coming up about that. But, but if he's thinking, there's a teaching thing going on. This time I can get it right. <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, um, you know, in, in the prequel films, right, he was completely against taking Anakin on as an apprentice because Anakin was too old, it was a he's defying the council, all this sort of stuff. Yes. Not he's almost come full circle. He's almost a Qui-Gon Jinn. He almost has the Qui-Gon Jinn perspective at this point. Yes. Luke is much older than Anakin was. There is no Jedi Council. Anakin did fall to the dark side, so there's already this sort of familial tie sort of thing yeah so the danger presented in this scenario is much higher than it was with anakin but it almost makes you you know wonder if this is just the last resort right well is that's it... what i was just thinking yes exactly you, you expressed that well when you this is it and if, if it's a new hope <laughs> right in, in the sense of uh, he's he's really uh, what's the football term he's doing the hail mary it's yes like, okay, yes this is this is what i've what I've got, but it does bring up to me, I'm, I'm thinking about, we'll get into it later, the, the, the deontological and um, the, the sense of duty. Where Where is his sense of duty in this? And where is his sense of, well, just if things that I'm doing right now turn out well, yeah, <laughs> then it will have been worthwhile. I'm not sure what he's thinking with it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the fun part about it is trying to dissect the psychology of these characters, you know, and like, what, what is he thinking? I think a Hail Mary is a good analogy because when you throw a Hail Mary, the probability of it working is very low, but if it works, the payoff's big. And if it doesn't work, 
the consequences are even bigger. You know, and that's that's pretty much the situation that he's in. And he was a good friend. Which reminds me. I had something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough. But your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. So again... Oh, man, there's things here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, again, it comes back to that backstory, right? There's no way Anakin could have wanted Luke to have the lightsaber when he's older. Because he didn't... He didn't know that he, you know, he didn't know he existed. Um, and, you know, again, there's this trope, this reoccurring element of um, disparaging the uncle in, in to try to draw Luke away from his, his grounded yeah. setting. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it is certainly a manipulation. This, this is, this is why I'm saying the deontological. I'm not saying that it's, it's ethics... Ethics philosophy going on here. If, if, and it's not just the ontology, it's what duty has Obi-Wan enacted over the years in watching Luke? That's sort of simmering here. But then we've got the, the other side of that coin, which is whatever I do, if, if it ends well, then it was justifiable in doing. And so he's weaving a tail. He is weaving a massive tail. He is manipulating. Uh, and But that's where this falls into, uh, you know, we we're talking about narrative structures and, and myth and so on. He is a wizard. Wizards, you know, Gandalf doesn't tell hobbits everything. Uh, Merlin never revealed uh, everything. The wizards guide the story the way they want to guide it. Yeah, and that's that's it's part of their their power, but that's present in all the stories too. Is that that's their their downfall? You know, that's their sort of having that much power and having that much knowledge can lead these characters into believing that they have it all figured out, and then in some cases, that's what leads to their their downfall, especially with with Merlin. Um, he wanted you to have this. Now, here's the other thing, and I, this is trivia, but we're, we're talking all kinds of levels. Obi-Wan cut Anakin down to pieces on that, that, that lava planet whose name I've temporarily forgotten um, in their climactic battle. And Obi-Wan left Anakin to burn. Hmm. Uh, massively cold <laughs> massively uh, there's a lot of duty going on there where you say nope I'm not going to help you out I don't remember him picking up the light for you yeah and um, yeah and that's the other thing again coming back to that idea of um, you know your father wants you to have this why why would why is he trying to foster this connection between Anakin and Luke when his, he's going to try to recruit him against his father, you know? Right. And so it's a, it's a fascinating sort of, but if you think about it, think about it the other way, right? It seems counterintuitive. But what if we had opened up this scene and said, you know, hey, 
your father's Darth Vader, and we need to team up and, and get rid of him, right? <laughs> that probably that probably wouldn't have worked that well either, right? You know, that, that, I think that probably wouldn't have because that that would have been too much. What what young mind, you know, yeah. projecting into this? If, going back to what you said before, if I'm in trouble, if I've lost or broken equipment, I worked for my uncle long ago on a farm. If I busted a piece of equipment, I would have been flayed yeah right and and that's a bad enough day thankfully i never got knocked out but on top of that oh by the way your father's one of the worst people in the universe yeah. but we could take him down i don't think i would <laughs> it's too much to handle at yes. once yeah. so yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of psychological and dancing around and manipulation going on with obi-wan but yeah it does come back to the deontological and and even the utilitarian right what what's going to create the greatest amount of good for the most people yes. you know and, and is giving luke some sort of psychological trauma in in the immediate term worth it you know to save the universe whatever we can do if it's going to save the universe then it's worth that that hail mary <laughs> yeah yep what is it father's lightsaber this is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. <laughs> An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, a, a more civilized age. Now, we, we, we know the kind of antics, <clears throat> let's say, adventures that Obi-Wan has after Qui-Gon. Well, that Obi-Wan has while Qui-Gon is still alive. This is part of the, to me, the, the difficulty of the narrative. And I love Star Wars, but this is an old man's nostalgia speaking. And and I'm not going to belittle that. I'm getting older all the time. But, but the trouble is, this is getting a bit lost in nostalgia. I, I do not see any overt elegance in those the first three movies in the sequence. Yeah. And again, you know, like we were saying, like it could be Lucas not having it fleshed out, but even if that were the case, I think that this whole thing does create sort of a realistic um, sort of feel, right? Because you can imagine this happening. You, you know? can imagine, and yeah. Especially, you know, you think about when the movie is created, you know, in, in the late seventies, up until that point in time, um, humanity has been on a pretty steady upward progression in terms of things going well. So this, the movie is meant to be sort of a shock where, you know, oh, wow, like it's, it's in a way it's dystopian, right? Because what you're, what the, yeah. the groundwork that they're laying is that, yeah, things were better in the past. And now that they've, they've fallen apart because of, because of the empire. I, and, and that, and the, yes, you, you bring up dystopian and that, that's really where I have lived with this. Uh, in no part of Star Wars, just like Arthurian myth. Okay, Camelot uh, and folklore. Camelot is a, a place of refuge or hope, uh, but the dirty work having to be done by the knights, the clashes and the violence, the, the difficulties in the countryside, the, the meeting with, the, the battling with all kinds of factions trying to uh, take over the island, so to, to speak. It's not... It's not pretty. I've read so very many because of my interest in this novels, the poetry back to Tennyson and before the, the very earliest, back to the first fragment from 500 AD. Uh, that in which, I mean, the, the very first Arthurian fragment 
essentially has Arthur, uh, Arturus, uh, as this this barbarian uh, rebel who who ha holds a mound, a hill, with a ditch around it, and that's Camelot. Mm. And and his his accomplishment is measured in how many enemies he can kill in a single battle. Mm. And we go from that to the romantic notion to now the current, the, the story of now are fascinating in their diversity. But all that's going to say that it, for me, in the movies, the, the, the grand city where the Jedi temple is, that's an ugly monstrosity, a planet that's a city that's totally not natural. Right. You know, I, I, it's all dystopian. I don't see much difference really other than the level of concentrated technology between the outlying places and the rim and so on in the Star Wars terms and the center of so-called civilization. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's, that's something that is sort of in the same real life too, right? There's this intrigue, there's this ugliness, no matter where you go. And, you know, again, why, so why does, why do you think that is? Why do, why do people, as we get older, think of the past times as, as fondly, you know? We, we, I think it's to help uh, grease the wheels of our uh, fading idealism. Uh, ideals keep coming up in this, and it's, and it's, a, it's important. Uh, but I also see shortcuts going on here. I just, you're making me think freshly. I refuse to just, I just wanted to come into it. A, brought a book to consult if I needed to, but I or two. But yeah, this is sort of to me now like the the model of democracy building. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Fine. But there's no. There's not even a sword and a stone experience. Luke's not having to work for anything here. Oh, here's a lightsaber. Look at the frozen the look on that that kid's face. I've got. Excalibur, now, yeah. you know, and, and there it is. This old guy's just handed it to me. What he does with it will be interesting, but the, the work hasn't come yet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it makes me wonder, too, if, you know, it's, it's some, there's a psychological component where Obi-Wan is realizing, yeah, earlier in his life, you know, he was able to um, subdue Anakin. And now maybe at this point he's realizing that he can't subdue Vader mm -hmm. and all of you know his friends in the in the Jedi Temple are dead and there's a lot of things have gone sideways since that beginning point yeah and you know maybe that's part of the reason that he's thinking about the that that prior age as being something um, more uh, more polished and, and, and elegant than it, than it was yeah. Okay. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. So again, this is this is kind of what we've been what we've been discussing, right? Is you know, he talks about the Jedi very fondly and the Empire um, with with this sort of haunted look on his face yeah. it's a very black and white story and it's one of those things where again thinking of the time period right mm -hmm. in the late 70s that might have been something that was was received pretty well 
something about American politics in the past five or ten years doesn't give this story a very good ring, does it? No, it, 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 you're, you're right. It's not because back then it was still the, the, the Soviet empire, so to speak. Uh, and, and, and the Star Trek equivalent was the Federation versus the Romulan Empire. It was always about empires without, without realizing that, that we have been empire making ourselves. And so there's a, there's a naivete, uh, a joyous naivete in this. I, I, don't, I don't bash it for that. I, I think that it, it's interesting, but it does simplify what becomes much less simple as the story goes on. Yeah, and, and you've seen that in, in art as time has progressed. A story like this, I don't think you'd see a movie presented like this nowadays. I you know, because they, they make it more complex. They point out the good things the Empire was doing by bringing financial stability and security to outer rim worlds and, yeah. and doing these sorts of things. Not as a 50-50 presentation right. because there isn't such a thing, but as a, yeah, there are... And there'd be, there'd be widespread corruption in the Jedi rather than just Anakin acting as a, a lone, you know, sort of saboteur yeah. for various reasons. So yeah, it's just kind of interesting from that sort of point. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. So again, the oh, thing man. that fascinates me about this, right? <laughs> yeah. Vader killed Anakin. And what I have it written in my notes here is a literal lie, but a figurative truth. Yeah, yeah. And so... Now we're back to that... <laughs> yeah, what sort of tale is Obi-Wan weaving, right? So he talks about Anakin killing Luke's Luke's father by turning to the dark side. A metaphorical tale, certainly. Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm watching Alec Guinness's responses and, and intentions in the character, portraying this character. And clearly he's bitter, and clearly he's anger, and uh, he betrayed and killed your father. Oh, by the way, I killed your father. That's not in there. Uh, right. <laughs> we can now look at that face and read, uh, perhaps. Uh, he turned to evil. Yes, yes, he did. Going and, and, and killing a bunch of little Jedi-lings <laughs> was probably the worst act. Right. Uh, but... Now we look at it and say yes, and and not as a 50-50 equivalent either, but, but what have you been up to, and what have you done? And and it's, if your job has been to nurture this, this young man, where has the nurturing been? Because as far as we know... Yeah, and that create, it creates a new element to it, right, that we haven't talked about yet, which is, what if Obi-Wan's not weaving a story, but there's some level of mental illness. And you think about it, he's been isolated in a desert for 20 mm -hmm. some odd years. Mm -hmm. He's been reliving these traumatic experiences from his younger days all along. And now, you know, he's, he's telling Luke these things. But like you said, you know, he, he's trying, I mean, if you think about it, you have a friend, you have an apprentice, and of course the, the prequels skip a lot of time, 
But I mean, he had been Anakin's apprentice for you know, 15, like, yeah, 15, 20 years, you know, yeah. and then he ends up slicing off his appendages and, you know, yeah. and that's horrifying. Right. And yeah. so you think, is it how, is it totally outside the realm of possibility to think that he has built stories to protect himself from the truth of what happened? No, I think that's, that's a, I think that's a brilliant notion. I think that's, that's a notion also brought from experience with, with people with PS, PTSD. Now, there's going to be this series coming up. I, I, this is not a plug or an advertisement. It's just that we know it's going to happen. And, and I suspect that somehow there's going to be a whole lot of interaction between Obi-Wan and a lot, because what else is going to right, happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and whether he interacts with Luke as a young kid, like a toddler, and he doesn't remember or whatever, that's, that'll be interesting to see. But even so, that your idea is really sound because that wouldn't belie the notion that you keep telling yourself. We all tell ourselves stories. We remake our our own origin stories. We 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 remake, not not completely to try to reshape it, but to make sense of it. We recast ourselves and re the details shift in the most traumatic moments in our lives, and. That doesn't remove the truth of them. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? And the Force is what gives the Jedi his powers. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. So again, it's another great scene, right? <laughs> he mentions the dark side for the second time, and that prompts Luke to ask him about the Force, and he delves into this explanation. And of course, the John Williams score <laughs> swelling behind it just gives it this. That's that's half the magic to Star Wars. It, it absolutely is. Yep. You start, you hear that that distant horn section come in, and it's just. You know, it adds this this power and this mystique. To it. It, it, the old the old republic. The yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, so I'm thinking about this story, trying to trying to be fresh to it, and at the same time piecing it together from what we know. And what is it he just said about Darth Vader? Right, he was seduced to the his student was seduced to the dark side. He said, as a teacher, and I as a teacher have known these moments, not Darth Vader moments, thank goodness, but, <laughs> but where one feels the failure of not having reached uh, that, that mind uh, that one is working with. Now, Obi-Wan has the, you know, this is sort of like the Robin Williams teaching movies I have. I loved him and I hated him because, yeah, anybody who had five students or ten students and that's who they worked with all day long, yeah, you're going to get somewhere probably. He had one. Okay. So, um, but when you have one student and that has failed, that and that's the total of your your teaching narrative. That can wreck all kinds of havoc following up on yeah, yeah. your line earlier. Yeah, and of course looking at, at the force philosophically, right? So yeah, he mentions Vader was seduced to the dark side and seduced is an interesting word, right? Because <laughs> it implies that there was somebody there um, drawing in, 
Yes. And then when Luke asks about the Force, he provides almost a a, a very positive, um, you know, a naturalistic explanation. It's yeah. A, it's a it is a natural uh, force. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, there's there's nothing in his narrative so far in his description that would be seductive of of and so yes the, the word this is where the script gets a little bit bouncy yeah it creates a, <laughs> it, yeah it creates a really interesting contrast right because he mentions the dark side which is dichotomous language mm -hmm. but then he talks about the force as being something that dwells in everything and it, it right. lives in everything and so in that naturalistic way you start to wonder well how can something that is natural be evil well right? and then and then and and it would be evil only in its use this this brings up all kinds of ethical things from nuclear power to you pick your topic is it of itself is it is a value neutral then there are arguments that one could make that no probably not value neutral but how it is used well okay so if it's seduced it's by something else and of course it's by something that worships that wants to make something else of the dark side and so then we get the whole sith thing which we don't mention at all right here so yeah that when i yeah right now it sounds like the force was doing the seducing um, we know that isn't yeah it's an interesting really question because right is there a dark side and a light side to the force or is there just the force and then people's personal ethics and employment of the powers that they have within themselves determine whether or not they are on the dark. And That's where I live because then that puts us in the constant moment, moment by moment by moment choices that we make. We all make bad choices. We make good choices. We don't do that in equal balance. But whenever we make a bad choice, we're going to that, that side of things. But it's not the force doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and within the Star Wars mythology and narrative, um, the way it's it's played out is there's there's some ambiguity. Ambiguity. ambiguity there. There. Um, you know, there's Sith and Jedi teaching, so there's definitely two established um, schools that that teach to one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and you see that there's certain Jedi like Mace Windu who makes use of both sides in his combat styles and things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing to, to think about. Now let's see if we can't figure out what you are, my little friend. And where you come from. I saw part of the message you... I seem to have found it. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person. My ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> and so Leia's message here is sort of drawing in every what we've said into the larger narrative, right? Yeah. This is our most desperate hour. She's saying that Obi-Wan Kenobi is her only hope. Boy, as we've seen, Obi-Wan Kenobi's already given up his he already he knows that he can't do this yeah. on his own. Yeah. Um 
there's a lot of other things happening in that scene too, right? Oh my um, goodness, yes. Luke has seen a piece of this message before, but it's pretty widely established that there was nothing wrong with R2. He could have played the whole message, but he didn't. And so that creates this whole idea of, well, like artificial intelligence and intentionality and all of these things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. very, very it's, interesting scene. It, it is, especially since we now know that she's his sister and we know that uh, Yoda and, and Obi-Wan were instrumental in, in getting them to two different places. And, and so to see that confluence of suddenly there she is, ostensibly the first time he's seen her since she was a baby, uh, but would bloody well know who she is, uh, how could he not? Mm -hmm. uh, but has he been able to follow her progress from, from the desert? How truly isolated is Obi-Wan Kenobi? This is, this is the question for me that the movie doesn't mm -hmm. answer. And, uh, and so we, we weave our own tales within it. But yeah, there, look, at the, look at the triangle. Look at the, <laughs> this is, yeah. the, 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 the sim symbolism of this shot is really... Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, the look on Alec Guinness's face right there, right? Yeah. There is there's that look in it, almost as if, right? He knows who it is, but he hasn't seen in, in years. Yes. And he knows what's... And what's, this is the moment and everything's starting to bubble up. Right. And I mean that that the last line of her her monologue there is probably the you know one of the most quoted lines in, in Star Wars lore. Help Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Right. Not our only hope. My only hope. Yeah. I'm trying to make the pitch from the very personal view. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, if you're, listening, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're probably real confused um, if you're not watching the video. But what happened is R2-D2 turns off the projection, and there's several shots going back and forth between Luke and Obi-Wan's face, where they're obviously, you can see the gears turning. And for both of them, yeah. That's important. I think that's an important, especially in a fast-paced and and, you know, bombastic setting you know in a film you're trying to take a big story a big narrative and you're trying to push it into an hour and a half or two hours or two and a half hours as we get as films get longer and longer three hours but the fact remains you know you're trying to take years of history and months or years of action and condense it down into this short period right lucas specifically took several seconds here to just show luke and obi-wan and the gears turning right and I think that's because, you know, as we talked about, Obi-Wan's whole intent is to get Luke to join him. And now we're trying to see whether it's working, whether, whether it's taking. Yeah, whether it's working. You must learn the ways of the Force <laughs> if you're to come with me to Alderaan. Alderaan? That right there, to me, like, that should be the biggest moment in Star Wars dialogue. Because mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the, the call to action. You know, we're talking about our Campbellian story arc, right? Absolutely. This is when it finally ticks over into the, the beginning. Says, 
you must do this. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, so everything in the movie up to this point has led up to this moment of Obi Wan laying the trap <laughs> and seeing if it, if it's going to be successful or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to Alderaan. I'm very good home. It's late. I'm in for as it is. I need your help, Luke. And so right there, this is this comes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the film, right? Which is that it's easy to think of this from a cinematic viewpoint, from that sort of thing. But if we take a minute and think about it from Luke's eyes, right? He's just a simple farm boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Every day in and out is likely the same. He, he gets up, he goes to work on the moisture farm, he comes home. You know, he might have his little hobbies, he might hang out with his friends and stuff. But already, you know, his uncle made some big purchases, he lost some equipment, he got attacked, knocked out, he met this mysterious figure. Now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy is asking him to, to run off to the, the far reaches of the galaxy to help him... And he's so rebellion against I want to get home. I'm in for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so he's he's reverting back to a grounded state, saying, "Wait a minute. Okay. So all of these these crazy things have happened, but yeah. I can't lose sight of my my life. Right. Right. Luke has a life mm-hmm. outside of this whole story, this whole cinematic experience. He does. And what he's realizing is, man, I've I've lost equipment, I've gotten in trouble, I've damaged equipment, I've got to get back before my uncle tears me apart. And this is the, the call is rejected. This is what happens in the Campbellian model. The call to action, often the call is rejected. And the ordinary person says, I'm going back to my ordinary life. Yeah. Please, your help. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. So that right there. <laughs> so Obi-Wan insists on the need to pass the torch. He, he needs Luke's assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is a realistic piece of dialogue? Ah, ah, that he's he truly feels like he's getting too old for this kind yeah. of thing. Well, let me tell you as somebody who's in his 60s, that inside, in, 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 a, in a mundane and, and extraordinarily interior interesting life uh, life is fascinating and 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 you can have these m- moments when you think there are still things that I need to do uh, and you realize how many things didn't happen that you thought did and on all of that and you but you still think of yourself as as able to do many things and you are so for me you know, back when back when I was first saw Star Wars, when it first came out, and that's so what I'm eighteen, and I'm thinking, yeah, probably the old guy does need help. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, but now I look at it and say, yeah, he he does. He's in over. How how do you, how do you take down an empire? We we no one person is going to be able to do that. Even in a hero story, it doesn't. It's not just. In the King Arthur stories, it's Arthur and all of the knights of the round table. Well, Luke doesn't have access to all the knights of the round table. This is like saying, be, be young King Arthur. Um, I'll help you if I, if, if I can, but um, gee, I can't give you anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, like you said, at, at this point in time, we have the, the luxury of knowing the prequel films, and we know 
Obi-Wan Kenobi was was a great general yeah. and was an excellent um you know swordsman. He he defeated Darth Maul on his own and General Grievous and, and Vader. Yeah. And he's so you know in his prime, you know, he was he was one of the best Jedi warriors there ever were. Yeah. But yeah, I think that and you know we know from a, a personal psychology standpoint that people have a hard time um, knowing their limitations as they get older. But at the same time, I think what you brought up is important, right? In those movies, he he does have Anakin as an apprentice. He has the Jedi Council to rely on wisdom. He has the clone army to call on for yeah. force support. Yeah, he has allies. He has allies, and now he has none except for whoever might linger out there. I think he's he's obviously in the next movie. He's aware he's aware that you must go see Yoda. So he's assuming that Yoda's still alive. Mm-hmm. Maybe he senses him. Whatever whatever that happens to be. But yeah, this is this is the this is the the uh, wizard. Uh, not unlike Gandalf. Why does Gandalf go and recruit everybody? Because Gandalf has his limitations too. Mm-hmm. Merlin. Gets lets himself get sealed into a tree in in, in this sense of, and, and this is interesting stuff too because uh, Merlin's greatest student becomes the person who overwhelms him and takes his, with Merlin's permission, uh, puts him away, and 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 there's a hint of that here. Uh, this is not the Obi Wan that we later see as a much younger man doing triple flips in the air and and hanging onto the edges of mountains and everything. This is somebody who's been uh, contemplative for a while, watchful, but but contemplative. And yeah, he's not going to go doing any backflips. And he already has. We know now after seeing the movie how many times, but he has in his mind to go to the next level spiritually. Yeah. Well, so he can sacrifice himself, and then it's up to Luke. There's sort of a there's sort of a self-servingness in that at the same time as there is giving a gift to the galaxy. Right. And Luke is pawn. Arthur is pawn. There's a duty that fate is putting upon him that they don't necessarily want. Yeah, and that's sort of the interesting part of it. I mean, if you look at the, the Merlin to Obi-Wan comparison, right, Is it is very similar. You have the brightest student, and then, you know, in a later scene here, he, he lets Vader kill him. Merlin let, lets himself be locked in the chain with that. But Obi-Wan has that that final trick up his sleeve, right? Where he, he comes back and he's able to, to sort of guide Luke. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, you know, he's realizing that his trip, you know, his trap has failed. You know, his, the groundwork that he's laid has not convinced Luke. And he's, he's making one last appeal, essentially. Mm-hmm. I, know, I can't get involved. I've got work to do. <laughs> It's not that I like the Empire, I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. It's such a long way from here. That's your uncle talking. Here we go. My uncle. How am I ever going to explain this? Learn about the Force, Luke. Yeah, so, again, he's... Luke is... It's this struggle, right, between Luke's grounded life everything that he's ever known yeah. and obi-wan making this appeal to the to the outside world right mm-hmm. and it's something that it, you know people 
deal with on, on a regular basis as well. Not Obviously not a big cinematic experience. No, but everybody does deal with that. You know, and we're kind of doing it right now, right? It'd be real easy for us to just go about our lives and work our jobs and hang out with our friends and, and never do anything um, stressful or new or, you know, never trying to reach out. But here we are trying to do something a little bit different, right? You know, just <laughs> for, the, for the fun of it, because it stretches us, because it puts us on the, we're not sure how it's going. We, it, 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 it makes your fingers tingle. It, it, it brings uh, the unknown. Yeah. It, and, and, and there are any number, you're right, every, we, we all have those moments, multiple moments in any given day, in, in any given week, where the outside says, do something. And... And, and the inside, the, the habits, the, the rituals, says, no, 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 I can't. I can't get involved. Yeah. But it's this, uh, it's this appeal to ideals, right? Everybody has ideals and everybody has um, philosophies and things to, to pursue. But yeah. it is that constant struggle of, well, I, I could just do what I normally do. You know, I could just return to my, my everyday life. Mm-hmm. So again, here, Obi-Wan is, is a, attempting to pit uh, Luke against his uncle again. That's your uncle speaking, right? He's, he's trying to sever this connection between yeah. what Luke knows and and yeah. where he's trying to get him. And to this is where it's also Merlin like. Merlin has to. Merlin is a manipulator. Uh, you know, Merlin loves Uther, uh, Arthur's putative father, to to essentially. Uh, rape a woman uh, of great character by disguising himself as that woman's husband so that Arthur can be born and then insist that he gets to take Arthur away to do what he... Now, that this isn't that level of ugly, awful trauma, but it's a manipulation. As you say, cutting up. There's a point at which, Uncle, you're no longer useful. You're done. Hmm. Uh, if if Obi-Wan could have influenced the, the, the killing of... of the uncle, I think he might well have. Yeah, because I mean, he doesn't make it happen, but the desert is dangerous. Yeah, think about think about the alternative, right? He he realizes he can't do it on his own. He needs Luke's help, and if Luke, if there's the possibility of Luke returning to his former life, he's made it clear he's going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, he might have had other tricks up his. You know, maybe it was a slower working progress you know maybe he lets luke think about it for a while and and becomes more involved in his life and stuff but does he have that kind of time he doesn't have that kind of time and and he could have right there said don't you realize young man that you have this device that has this message the empire is going to look for it you can't be safe anymore but he doesn't do that Hmm. right he waits for that to happen i think he knows what's going to happen he knows somebody's going to come looking for it he's of course he knows this yeah because i mean he's He's lived this life. He's been involved in politics and, and with the Empire and, and all of this different yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I think that he is aware of it. Look, I can take you as far as Anchorhead. You can get a transport there to most likely or wherever you're going. You must do what you feel is right, of course. <laughs> so there, you know, at the end, I think that 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 adds some hope to Obi-Wan, right? Because there's a compromise. Luke doesn't just say, listen, my uncle's going to kill me. I got to get home right now and leave, take the droids and leave. No, he says, hey, you know, I, I can help you get here, right? 
And that adds a glimmer of hope. And then, you know, as as he he's, he offers that, Obi-Wan says, you know, you must do what you believe is right. Yeah, it's not like, hey, thanks for the ride. Yeah, no. <laughs> is it an, an imploration disguised as a condonement? You know, like, hmm. is, you know, what, you know, it, it could be easy to say, you must believe what you do is right. And Luke could take that as, oh, okay, well, you know, I... I believe that what's right is returning to the farm and, and, you know, helping him out, you know, or you must believe, you know, you must do what you believe is right as that imploration saying, okay, listen, I know if you're, if you're going to help me out this much, I know that you're considering it. You so need to come with me. Come with right. me. Right. Take me with you for a while. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. Um, you have anything you want to add before we're, we've, Finish it up. Only that this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I know there's, there's been much discussion of the John Campbell stuff back to the beginning days of this, but it never gets old. And that's when what we're, what we're looking at is the idea of duty versus uh, deontology versus consequentialism. Duty uh, meaning whatever you do, if it's out of a sense of duty, it's right, even if it doesn't end well. And consequentialism being, if what you did ends well, then it was right. <laughs> both ethical theories, and I think both of them are are uh, stirring around here. Yeah. In these characters, I think for Obi Wan, there's both, but I think it's a sense of uh, duty to the Jedi, duty to what, having been watching over this person. All this is a big picture to me. Uh, Luke is well. I got a duty to my uncle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which again, you know, it seems it seems very small, but but it's you consider it, that's his whole life, right? And you know, many of us live our lives the same way, right? Of course we, we, we do. We work at the same place for several years, and we think, well, I've, I've got a duty to, well, you know, I'd like to hang out with my friends, or I'd like to go off on some epic adventure with this crazy old guy, but I got a I got a job, I got to show work tomorrow, right? You know, yeah, and, that, and that's no small thing. I, I, and this is where I think about the the community college students many of whom were first in there that I experienced with them as I was first to go and go all the way through a college experience. Wasn't the first to go, but the full college experience, yes. And and that's a, a large stepping off. Or the or the student that, whose mother said that I was a demon and, and it, he, she, she could either stay in my class um, and not get any financial help from family and be cut off, or they they could uh, never take a glass from me again and keep going to college. That's a hell of an awful yeah. choice to put on a young person. Hmm. Um, and so th those kind of things, yeah, I love it. I love the ships. I love the whole <laughs> the story. I've loved it with my son from forever, and I've been uh, and, and with you and all. But it's but there's more to it than that. That's why we keep talking. It's not just an entertaining old show. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating about it, right? Is that again, this that scene was very short. You know, it's it about five minutes, and um, you know, it's, it's short, it's quiet, um, in a big movie. And you know, for a long time, I thought that maybe I was one of uh, one of the few people that that really enjoyed that scene. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when I went to look it up, I found that on YouTube, tens of millions of people have looked at this, right? 
So there is some inherent power that just doesn't appeal to philosophers, but appeals to the everyday yeah. person, you know? Yeah. And I think that, like you said, it's, it's that, that Campbellian, um, you know, the call to action and, and the laying the background and all that different types of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. This was a lot of fun. We'll probably do it again in the future. Um, you know, we'll, the length of the scenes might change. The length of the total episode might change. Um, but it's it's been a fun thing, and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah. <laughs>